You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hi, folks. John Solomon here with John Solomon Reports and the new daily TV show, Just the News, Not Noise. Up next, you'll hear me and my co-host, Amanda Head, with investigative reporting and interviews with top lawmakers and newsmakers you don't hear anywhere else. To see our daily show, go to Real America's Voice each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern or watch anytime at justthenews.com slash TV. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of Pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't. You'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time 
IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Good evening, America, and welcome to tonight's edition of Just the News, the show that's dedicated to giving you facts and drowning out all that noise. I'm John Solomon, joining you from Washington, D.C., where today the Senate took some pretty weighty action in the middle of a war. Nonetheless, they made daylight savings time permanent. How about that? That's pretty big work, right? And Joe Biden, well, he suffered another major loss when his federal no- his Fed nominee, Sarah Bloom Raskin, was forced to withdraw in the face of stiff opposition, including from Joe Manchin, one of the Democrats. And helping me to make sense of all of these major developments is my amazing colleague, Amanda Head, who has the great lineup of guests we're bringing you tonight. Yes, indeed. Great to see you on this fine Tuesday. Coming up in just a few moments, we have Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita. We've also got the head of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association and national security expert, Waleed Ferez. And in the last segment, we are going to be bringing you all an exclusive story about the Secret Service, the agency that is supposed to protect the president. Now, the agency recently told the Senate that they can't find any emails from Hunter Biden's travels from back in 2010, 2011, and 2013, when the service was providing the vice president's son protection. Uh, we found those emails that they claim don't exist, and we are going to bring those to you later tonight. Uh, and speaking of Hunter Biden, John, I think that his ex-business partner, Devin Archer, got some bad news recently. What's that about? Yes, Amanda, he sure did. It was just a few weeks ago when Devin Archer was sentenced to federal prison. For one year and one day, and he was ordered to pay millions of dollars in penalties for his role in a scheme to defraud an Indian tribe to the tune of $60 million. This is a very large fraud. But now he's trying to avoid going to prison, throwing up a whole lot of new appeals. And today, the government responded. And you know what they said? Uh-uh, not so fast. Devin Archer, your arguments don't have any merit. You should go to prison forthwith. We're going to be watching that over the next few days to see exactly what the judge does in that case. But an example of the dual justice system We often have in America elitists trying to escape the penalties they face. Now, someone who's been battling the Joe Biden administration in court and winning a lot of the time is joining us right now, Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita. A.G. Rakita, great to have you on the show today. Hey, John. Hey, Amanda. Thanks for having us back. Uh, It's it's an honor to have you on, sir. Um, Now, you just filed a new lawsuit trying to compel the Biden administration to release records as to why it began investigating school parents as domestic terrorists. Tell us what prompted that lawsuit and what's at stake in this. Well, you got to go back to last fall, uh, end of September, beginning of October, when all of a sudden we got a, a public letter. It was addressed to Joe Biden, but it was a public letter to all of us from the National School Boards Association saying that they have found a new kind of domestic terrorist, that being parents, parents who care enough about the raising of their children, which, as you guys know, is is ultimately needed if you're going to keep a free republic because that that in that family unit is the building block of a free society. So here we have concerned parents coming into school board meetings saying, hey, we found out that you teachers and you teacher unions and you school board associations, at least some of you may not be really teaching our kids what we thought or what you said you were teaching them. We found out that you're indoctrinating them 
with things like critical race theory and abusing the social emotional learning concepts and even finding out that the training of teachers has, has, has been sort of an indoctrination. So parents voiced their concerns as they have a First Amendment right to do. And they can be emotional in doing it. They could be loud in doing that. Uh, they could they just can't be disruptive to the process. And the school board association then sent the letter saying, well, no, these are really domestic terrorists. So five days after that. Right now, when's the last time, Amanda, uh, the federal government did anything in five days, but five <laughs> days after that, the the Department of Justice responded with a letter to or excuse me, a memo to all law enforcement agencies, big and small, local and and state saying we've you need to be watching out as well for these domestic terrorists and report to us immediately when you see these parents acting out. Uh, that's wrong. Uh, I sense at that time there might be some kind of collusion. Thankfully, an enterprising parents group by doing a FOIA request on public records request on the National School Board Association found an email between the Department of Justice and the association. And now attorneys general have jumped in, and this was five months ago, and said, hey, uh, we want to know all the emails between any agency and the school board association. And after five months went by and the federal government has yet to respond. And so what may be happening, and we'll go where the facts take us, we just want the facts, is that uh, because the government doesn't really do anything, honestly, within five days, there was probably, there's a chance that the federal government was asking the school board association to write the letter to Mr. Biden in the first place so that they can respond with this arm, this heavy arm of the law and chill the activity and chill the um, First Amendment rights of parents themselves. And so after five months, I'm sorry it takes so long to lay all this out, but after five months, uh, after getting no response, 14 of us, attorneys general, like-minded all, uh, on this matter at least, filed a federal lawsuit against the federal government compelling them to uh, answer the FOIA request and come up with the documents. Yeah, I will say I'm not surprised. The five-month timeline sounds much more on-brand for the government than five days. But <laughs> I want to stay on this topic of parents because you issued a, director, a directive, the Parents' Bill of Rights. It's First of all, it's ridiculous that in this day and age we have to have a Parents' Bill of Rights. But you laid out a number of items in that, including uh, how to file for parents, how to file a lawsuit if their child is being discriminated against, how to you know approach your school board, how to run for school board. Have you ha have you seen indicators that parents in Indiana are taking advantage of these resources and, and implementing them? I am. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes from here, including redressing these issues with their elected representatives. I'm not a lawmaker, but I, uh, I, I, I tried to be as helpful as I could in getting them the tools. And because I want, look, I truly believe, and as you know, that, that that families are the building block of a free country, of a, of a free republic. And when I saw these parents getting involved in their child's education, I saw this not as a terrifying thing, not as something to be afraid of. This is a welcoming thing. And I don't even mind that they're angry. They should be. But, I, you know, if I was a school board member or a teacher, I'd say, oh, my gosh, I have parents that care. I didn't know this, but I do. And so I'm going to channel that energy 
and first of all, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to then challenge. So that's the that's the spirit in which uh, we wrote, and which is to say, we articulated the parents uh, the parents' rights in the state of Indiana, including what they don't have the right to do. And if they wanted to correct that, they should go to their legislator. Uh, for example, in Indiana, and I suspect it's sort of in the same in other states, did you know that you didn't have the right to speak at a school board meeting? Now, you could attend and you have to get public notice of when they are, but no, you didn't have the right to say anything to your elected school board members. And and that changed as a result, I think, of the Parents' Bill of Rights because we cited that and then the law changed in the General Assembly this very session. Yeah, it sure did. Pretty fast movement. Um, at the core of what you've been doing, you've been asserting states' rights over the big federal government. And as you've done that, you've kind of conquered some bureaucracies that have things to say like this. They say, you know, it's our records. You don't get to see them. It's our idea. We're going to tell you what your children, not only how to think, excuse me, what, but what to think. You've been busting through that bureaucracy. Are you surprised how much government bureaucracy has grown from the federal level all the way down to the state and city level? Right. So remember, I was in... I was in Congress for eight years, so I've stared into the uh, the hell of, of the abyss. <laughs> and I'm afraid to answer your question. Nothing surprises me about the federal government except that it is it's 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 far gone. It's too big to be accountable. You 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 really need some fundamental reset type reforms. Um, and until legislators get serious about that and 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 to stop feeding the bureaucracy, right? Because you know, we pay so much in taxes already, and people don't understand that over half the money spent by the federal government every year is on is borrowed. So our kids and our grandkids who aren't born yet are going to be paying that debt. It's disgusting. But it really, until you stop feeding the beast that is this federal government, and until we start demand stop demanding that this federal government be our nanny and take care of us, and we just learn to buck up and do things for ourselves a, little, a lot more. You're going to have this problem, and and yeah. we can do th we can do some things around the edges, like get rid of Chevron deference, get rid of some other uh, things in the court system, which we're working on, so that the agencies don't have so much discretion. But really, you need a fundamental reset of the role of government in our lives. Yeah, I think that personal responsibility makes needs to make a comeback. Okay, just about a minute and a half left, so I want to wrap up with a question that I have personal interest in because I'm constantly crisscrossing this nation. What's the update on lawsuits as far as lifting the ban or lifting the uh, mandates on masks on planes? Oh, you know that's um that's a very interesting one. We are we are having discussions about that right now, and I know that several states uh, may be filing very very soon. Uh, maybe being led by the state of Florida. And it's just not as easy as when I was in Congress just to jump on a lawsuit like we're jumping on a bill. You actually, you know, you have to have legal standing. You have to have an actual injury as a state. There are a lot of boxes you have to check before you jump on a lawsuit. So we're examining that as a state right now to see uh, if there's a state impact to us. And if there is, you'll see Indiana uh, along with several other states involved in that. But uh, I do believe Florida is leading the charge there. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. I know a lot of people will be cheering that one out if it happens. General Rikita, it's always an honor to have you on the show. We learn so much and we watch very closely as you fight for freedom here in America. Thank you so much for the time today. And thank you guys. You're the, you're the fighters for freedom and we appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you, sir.
All right, folks, we'll be right back with more amazing news right after the break. Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back. Joining us now is one of my favorite foreign policy experts and a former advisor to presidential candidate Donald Trump, Dr. Waleed Ferris. Dr. Ferris, great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, I enjoy also uh, being interviewed by your team, excellent team. Oh, thank you. Uh, Amanda and I are glad to have you on. I want to turn to Iran because we all have our eyes on Russia and Ukraine, and there's a good reason for that. But Iran and the uh, Biden administration are negotiating. I'm hearing from sources that some of the demands that Russians had made a couple of weeks ago that kind of poison pilled the possibility of an Iran nuclear deal that they're pulling back, at least in their conversations with Iran. Can you give us the latest on where that deal stands and what we might see happen over the next few days? Yes, absolutely. It's important. And here's the deal about the deal. Uh, so the Iranian regime's top priority, first top priority, is to get cash. They need that money. They are lacking money. Our sanctions are biting. Uh, so on and so forth. So they have planned that they will be flexible and allow the Biden administration to come back and they will meet them in Vienna. They will sign the agreements. They will get the cash. What do they, will they do with the cash? They will buy missiles. They will buy weapons, including from Russia. Comes the Ukraine war. And now we have sanctions on Russia. And Russia is telling Iran, look, I cannot go with the deal because I'll be sanctioned. I can't do, uh, you know, I, can, I cannot do business with you. So no deal until our sanctions, U.S. sanctions are off the table with the Russians. The Iranians at first had to make a choice, meaning do they go with the United States and the other partners without Russia and get the money? But they know that they need the strategic alliance with Russia. So they were the ones who lobbied the Russians and told them, look, don't worry, you will have a ceasefire. We will get the money and they will call on you. I'm oversimplifying. 
of course. But that is where the Iranians are trying to convince the Russians to make it easy on them so that Iran will be in good position and then Iran will help Russia. Dr. Ferris, you, you look at the leftist talking points about the Iran nuclear deal. And of course, it's Donald Trump, you know, shouldn't have, have ended it or ceased it, you know, and, and Joe Biden's doing the right thing because it keeps Iran at bay. But you look at the de facto schedule of what could happen under a renewed JCPOA. It's ballistics programs, it's missile mm-hmm. programs. And I guess I'm just looking to you for an explanation of how that keeps Iran at bay. Well, you almost summarized it because you touched the nerve center of the deal. The nerve center of the deal, even under Obama in 2015, was and continue to be under Biden the same thing, meaning Iran promises to stop the nuclear weapons system. But when they get the money, and they showed us between 2015 and 2018 and 19, when Donald Trump suspended it, What did they do with the money? Did they irrigate their society, fix their economy? No, they bought weapons. They send the money to the four militias that control four Arab countries. They actually engage in a warfare with Israel. So I don't think the Iranians are going to change their strategy at this point in time. If the Biden administration goes back and they want to go back, then it's going to be a redux of what happened. They will get the money, get the weapons. And with those weapons, they will control further the Middle East. And then they will be in a position where we cannot at that time, stop them from bringing the nuclear uh, weapon. The nuclear weapon, they will they will display it at the end, not in the beginning. Once they have the dome and anti-aircraft and everything else, then they're going to show us the nuclear weapon. Yeah, that's such an important thing. This is a chess game. A lot of people are looking at it as an on-off switch, but much more complicated. Uh, a lot of the people I talk to in the intelligence world tell me that they believe that Iran is so close to a nuclear weapon now, that the reality is there. It's just a matter of when they want to flip that switch on. Uh, what, do, what do you know about that? And is this deal really just delaying something that's inevitable at this point? Look, there are two points here. Number one, two theories, actually. I know the intel community has multiple ones and a dominant one that the Iranians are close to manufacture the bomb. But there is another theory, including in the some parts of the intel community, that Iran may buy one may buy a tactical one, and they have at least three clients where they could buy from. So they promised us they're not going to build it. But what they, they do is they buy the missile, and you, what do you throw with missiles? Roses? No, you, you actually use the ballistic missiles to, to, to throw uh, non-conventional weapons. So we could be surprised by the Iranians, but I don't think the Iranians are going to move and show us the weapon before they get the money, as maximum as they can from the West, from the international community. Dr. Ferris, I want to switch gears to the Ukraine-Russia crisis. You know, you watch mainstream media and there are videos and audio bits and and pieces of news that come out. And it seems like there's propaganda on both sides. And mainstream media tries to reduce this to an argument of being pro-Russia or pro-Ukraine. But but Putin is a mercenary and Ukraine is, I believe, the fourth most corrupt country in the world. So in my opinion, they're both bad. But the propaganda is very strong with the American people because, you know, you see blue and yellow all over mainstream news. I just want to get your quick take on that. Look, it's typical mainstream news in America, and we've encountered this before with the Iran deal, with all the uh, dossiers that uh, John has been very, very important player in uncovering here in the United States. But let's say this. What the mainstream media is not doing is to simply explain to the American public what are the geopolitics of this. I mean, I look at European media, at Arab media, they are more advanced. They explain, for example, that the goals of the Russians are simply 
the eastern part of Ukraine where you have a Russian ethnic group, and of course, uh, the southern uh, shores. Now, the rest of Ukraine is a matter of either the Ukrainians and the Russians will sit down and negotiate a solution. And this whole problem, let me just touch on one point, is a result of a disagreement in the 90s. In the 90s, the Clinton administration refused to address the organization of the collapse of the Soviet Union so that every country has the access that it can and should have, and all the ethnic minorities would be attached to the uh, to the countries they came from originally. So now we are dealing, unfortunately, with a vision that is not clear for the American public. So the American media can, uh, the mainstream media, of course, can say whatever it wants and everybody will follow. Yeah, such an important point. The media has really let us down on a lot of this. Uh, we got about 30 seconds left, Doctor. I just want to ask this. Do you think that we're going to see a ceasefire soon? Do you think the Russians have gotten enough of what they wanted that they can uh, call off the dogs for a while? Very well said, John. Yes, I think the two sides are exhausted militarily. They don't say it. Obviously, I was in a debate with a Russian diplomat on some Arab media, and, and he kind of agreed that the Russians are exhausted, the Ukrainians are exhausted, and this is the equation where we may, we may see a, a negotiation for a ceasefire. It may not happen overnight, but it is, uh, is going to happen. Wow, that's going to be a moment we're all going to be watching for. Dr. Ferris, it's always an honor to have you on. We always learn so much. And uh, I know we're going to need you back on real soon with the world as turbulent as it is today. Thank you for having me. Great to have you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more interviews, more news, and more exclusive insights. This is John Solomon and the John Solomon Reports Radio Show. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the show, everybody. If you tuned in last night, we broke a story debunking claims made by the Secret Service that the agency could not find any communications between their agents and Hunter Biden regarding his travel plans in the calendar years 2010, 2011, and 2013, when his father was vice president, after GOP Senators Chuck Grassley of Ohio and our next guest, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, uh, requested those records of communication with Hunter Biden. So joining us now is one of those very senators, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, guys. How are you doing? We are doing great. And uh, I have a clip for you that I want to get your reaction to. So check this out and then we'll dive in. I'm addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. 
I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Senator, that almost seemed like maybe a veiled insult that Joe Biden is not behaving as the leader of the world or even the leader of the United States with respect to foreign policy. But what was your take on those comments? I think it's pretty obvious that uh, President Biden and his administration have not been leading on this issue. Uh, the world has rallied behind the courage of the Ukrainian people, of the tremendous and courageous leadership of President Zelensky, not anything that... Uh, President Biden has done. President Biden has been kind of dragged into uh, providing the type of uh, lethal defensive weaponry that uh, Ukraine needs to defend itself. Uh, So it's unfortunate. What the administration should have done is they should have loaded up lethal defensive weaponry before Vladimir Putin invaded to try and deter him to change his calculus. Uh, They might have moved some supplies in, but not even close to sufficient. They did it quietly. They didn't want to upset Putin. They also should have been preparing an inventory of the lethal defensive weaponry that our European partners in NATO and Eastern Europe uh, had available to them, getting it staged in case Vladimir Putin did invade so we could quickly get it in there. There should have been no discussion about the MiGs. They should have just been quietly supplied. And the first people that should have known that there were MiGs in Ukraine, some additional ones, were the Russian pilots that got shot out of the sky. But uh, again, that was something bungled by this administration as well. So now uh, President Zelensky felt he he had to come before a joint session of Congress to, by and large, beg this administration to do more, to provide the the support that the Ukrainian people need to defend themselves, their children, their families, their homeland, uh, their freedom. And I think the other important point that President Zelensky made is they're fighting for more than Ukraine. They're fighting on behalf of other freedom-loving people. They're certainly fighting on behalf of uh, those European countries that are next in line. Those countries need to step up plate as well and provide uh, Ukraine with what it needs. Yeah, it was a very poignant speech and a rare moment to see another nation chide our president. Senator, you've been to Ukraine more than maybe any other member of Congress. You really understand the country well. At this moment, given the losses at stake, what does it need to survive this war to uh, to come out of this in some form of a strategic win? Uh, what, what do they need right now? Well, they, I really understand the people. I, I always felt that uh, President Zelensky was a real deal. He, he won with, I think, 70 percent of the vote on a platform to defeat corruption, uh, only to find out that the long knives came out. He's a political neophyte and in how incredibly endemic corruption is and how difficult it is to defeat it. But he was sincere in his belief. And now he's certainly showing uh, the Ukrainian people that he's the real deal. He's showing them the courage. And of course, Ukraine, the Ukrainian people are showing the world that if you give them the weaponry, they will they will fight to the death. And I hate to even say that last part, but that is what they'll do. They, they value their freedom. They value their independence. They value their democracy. The least the freedom loving world ought to do is provide them the support they need. Senator, I want to pivot to the story that John and I broke last night regarding 
email communications between the Secret Service and Hunter Biden when Joe Biden was vice president. And you and Senator Chuck Grassley requested those records. The Secret Service came back and said, we don't have any records of communications regarding travel from 2010, 2011 and 2013. We, of course, now know that that is not true. I don't know if this was negligence on their part or an intentional uh, an intentional cover up. But what does it say to you that these emails do exist? They were found on Hunter Biden's laptop and yet the secret service uh death protests too much first of all great investigatory journalism on, on on your part i know john's been digging this uh for years and and uh you know we've certainly been uh, working together in terms of getting the story out getting the truth out to the american public yeah you know, i can only come to two conclusions we, we've been after these travel records uh for years i mean for years Th- this ought to be pretty something pretty basic Th- these are the types of records that federal law requires the secret service to maintain and w- when they come back to us by the way h- here's what they did provide us this is what it looks like <laughs> okay that's you useful know, so when we get 79 pages a couple years into our process we get totally blacked out pages redacted and then a, a little note saying oh by the way uh, we don't have any uh emails responsive to your request for three years. And you, know, you folks went back to Hunter Biden's uh, laptop there and found out, well, Hunter Biden has it. Why, why didn't the Secret Service retain it? Mm-hmm. So I can only come to two conclusions. I can make two assumptions. Either it's complete incompetence or corruption. Uh, take your pick. Either way, there's not a good explanation. No, nothing that uh, really is positive for the Secret Service here. I, I'm getting I'm getting sick and tired of these agencies in the deep state, and I'll call it the deep state, because they com- they refuse to provide the American public the information, the the truth that the American public deserves. And let's face it, we're the ele- I'm, I'm an elected representative of the American people. They should be complying with legitimate congressional oversight, which is what this is. And yet they just thumb their nose at us. They're completely arrogant. It's unacceptable. Yeah, uh, Senator, you fought on many fronts with Senator Grassley, the State Department, uh, the NIH. And you see this culture where they consider the information to be theirs, not the taxpayers, not to be the representatives of the people's uh, possession. If you get back in power, if the Republicans take back of control, how can they break this cycle of defiance that these bureaucracies have literally shown for the last five or six years? Well, hopefully disclosures like this, that the American public will start getting outraged and put pressure on the administration. You remember, John, we, we had to subpoena the FBI director under a Republican president. You did. And we still did. We basically got squat. OK, so you know, even under a Republican president that wanted the truth to be revealed so the American people would actually see what was happening. We couldn't get it out of the deep state largely because the deep state is primarily populated with leftists. So, listen, I, I always felt sorry for the for uh, President Trump. Who could he trust in his administration? Two weeks into the administration, telephone conversations with his between him and two world leaders were leaked to the media. Who could he trust? It turns out not very many people in the deep state. Yeah, it seems like the things that they should be transparent about, they're not. And the things that should be held close to the belt for the American president with relation to other world leaders gets leaked. It's unbelievable. I want to finish us out. We've got about a minute and a half left. COVID, uh, the mask mandates that was lifted in the Senate for airplane travel and, and public transportation. It's heading over to the House now. We got a Democrat majority in the House. Any chance that this will happen? Uh, probably next to none. 
But now that you brought up COVID, we're going to hold a hearing in our committee on oversight of uh, the COVID response. Uh, I've, I've since about August of 2020, I've submitted 35 oversight letters, asked all kinds of questions, information that the American people need in life and death situations. And once again, these agencies, these federal health agents who have not been honest, have not been transparent, have not provided the information the American people need to make an informed choice uh, on making difficult decisions, I've gotten virtually nothing, not a zip. Non-responses, responses. It is outrageous. Stunning, sir. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely outrageous. But Senator Ron Johnson, we appreciate you being here, and we're going to have to have you back on soon to uh, to update us on all of these issues. So thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Stay well. Wow, what an interview, folks. We're going to be right back with more Just Like It right after this commercial break. Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports. I'm so grateful you're part of the family. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I'm John Solomon, joining you from the nation's capital. And coming to you from the other side of our nation here in Los Angeles, I'm Amanda Head. John, another night of explosive revelations this evening, although I'll let you set the table for Representative Jim Jordan. I want to make it known that you should be in a Generation 6 car taking a well-deserved victory lap right now. Okay, I'm going to have to go off script because I would rather envision you for your victory lap in a Smokey and the Bandit edition Trans Am with a (laughs) T-top and shaker hood. But, you know, with your reporting like this and over the course of your career, I am glad to see that the swamp has not consumed or corrupted you like it has with, oh, I don't know, the entire Biden family. But I'm going to let you take that well-deserved victory lap. Oh, thank you, Amanda. In my mind, this is less about me taking a victory lap and more about celebrating the fact that Americans still reading the legacy press finally are getting some of the truth about the Hunter Biden scandal. It was just a couple of years ago when the Biden campaign put out this statement. Look at this. Accusing me and other reporters who dared to expose Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings as being conspiracy theorists. We got the label for exposing the Biden sons dealing with Burisma in Ukraine, China, and Kazakhstan, among other places, and reporting on the famous laptop that was turned over to the FBI. Well, last night, the gray lady, the New York Times, finally admitted that laptop was legit and not Russian disinformation, and it showed just how much legal trouble Hunter Biden was in related to his taxes and foreign lobbying. Much of what the New York Times reported, uh, a lot of us, like uh, myself, had revealed a year or more ago. But tonight, we're going to advance the story a little bit further. 
That's right. And we have the perfect person here with us to do that. Congressman Jim Jordan, who will not only help us expose the Russia collusion hoax, but also the folly of the Ukraine impeachment scandal. So, John, what did you dig up? Well, tomorrow on Just the News, we're going to post these documents or two of them. We have confirmed they are in the FBI's possessions and they reveal that Hunter Biden had reason to suspect in real time his foreign business activities might cause him legal trouble. This first one is from 2017. It's from his business partner and accountant warning Hunter Biden, get a load of this. He had not paid any federal taxes on all that money he earned from the Burisma Energy Company in Ukraine. That's right. Didn't pay taxes on money he got from his foreign employer. Now, the email's warning is clear as day when you look at it. Now there's a second memo showing he and his lawyers were trying to concoct a way for them to lobby and influence U.S. agencies on behalf of that Ukrainian uh, company, Burisma, without having to register as a foreign lobbyist. Remember, that got uh, someone like Paul Manafort in trouble, as I recall. As the Times confirmed, both of these issues, taxes and foreign lobbying, are at the heart of the ongoing criminal case against the president's son. Yeah, and those are explosive pieces of evidence. I'm glad that the New York Times is finally admitting, although they only cited it once, they only admitted <laughs> it once in the entire I'm article that, that, that Hunter Biden's laptop was real and wasn't Russian propaganda. But I want to bring in one of our favorite members of Congress, the great patriot, Jim Jordan. Thank you so much for joining us. And Congressman, I want to get your initial reaction to, to that news that we just brought. Well, I, I I think you were right. It reminded me, I, I think Rush Limbaugh wrote a book one time. See, I told you so. And I think you guys could say that. Uh, you told the, the whole country that this laptop was real. Remember, we had an eyewitness, Tony Bobolinsky. We had some of the documents that talked about the big guy. Uh, and, and we actually had a, a real laptop at this place. But yet, you know, the, the Biden campaign said it was, you know, Russian disinformation. And I think the key here is the, the, what John just pointed out, which is the tax issue. Because imagine this, you, you have a, the Democrats candidate for president, the weeks leading up to the election, we find out his son, who had this cush job with Burisma, the, you know, the, the focus of the, of the impeachment, the, the, the 2019 impeachment, not paying taxes. I mean, th th that comes out just days and weeks before the presidential election. That's what they had to avoid. And they went to any length they could to stop that with social media platforms not allowing this story to go forward. The legacy media, as John pointed out, and of course, all these intel people who came forward and said, oh, this is really Russian disinformation. No, it wasn't. It was the truth. And you guys have a Rush Limbaugh, see, I told you so moment. <laughs> God rest Rush. He's such a good man. Uh, Congressman, I want to ask you about this. One of the things we now know from the decade before the war that began in Russia and Ukraine was that the Democrats treated both countries as piggy banks. You had Bill Clinton scoring a $500,000 speech. You got Hunter Biden working for a Russian oligarch and a Ukrainian oligarch. Victor Pinchuk, big donor to the Clinton Foundation from Ukraine. Did, they, did these administrations have their eye more on their personal wallets and not on the American interest policies in these two countries? Well, I think I think a lot of Americans would conclude that. I mean, remember, Hunter Biden got money from a company with ties to the Chinese Communist Party, he got uh, money from Burisma with ties to to a corrupt uh, uh, people in, in Ukraine. And of course, he got money from uh, the, the mayor of Moscow's wife. So he, he was getting money from from all these folks. And of course, we weren't allowed allowed to talk about that. I think what this really points out in light of where the situation we're in today is what happens when you when you have weak leadership in the White House and we see that play out. Uh, you know, we saw it in Afghanistan. We, we've seen it now with this terrible situation in Ukraine. When you have and you project weakness from the Oval Office, bad guys around the planet are going to do bad things. And who knows if this 
the, these ties that the president's son had with these corrupt countries, um, with these corrupt individuals in these countries, if uh, if that contributes to the to today's situation. Yeah, yeah I got to say, it must be nice to have such lucrative deals that you have to offshore your financial dealings. It's- a problem that most Americans cannot relate to, thankfully, as far as the corruption. But, you know, we, we see these concentric circles. It's a, it's a story that we've seen over and over, not just with the Clintons, but now the Obamas and the Bidens. But you have these concentric circles uh, around the nucleus. In this particular story, the nucleus is the Bidens. The closest person that has seen any type of punishment for this is Devin Archer. Is, do we ever get to a point, and I don't know if this will happen under Biden's DOJ, where some type of punitive action is taken on the people who you see in the headlines, not the ones who are buried three or four paragraphs down? Well, let's hope, and it's, it's, it's not this exact issue, but let's, let's hope John Durham's probe is going to get to the bottom of the spying that took place on this other great scandal in American history where you had the Department of Justice, the FBI, uh, actually spying on a major party's uh, uh, presidential campaign. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I'm like you, I don't think the Merrick Garland Justice Department, the same Justice Department that is treating moms and dads as domestic terrorists, putting this threat tag designation on, 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 on parents who show up at school board meetings, <clears throat> I don't think they're gonna be willing to, to go after some of the, some of the issues that, that, that we're raising. So we'll just have to wait and see. Our job in the Congress though, in the legislative branch, is to do the investigative work, make sure that we get the truth to the American people on all these scandals and all these things that happened where, um, where where government was doing something wrong. So, um, and we're gonna we're gonna do that, and we're really gonna focus on that if, in fact, the American people give us the majority this November. Yeah, you've put out a very ambitious list, uh, list Congressman, of things you want to focus on. A lot of people want to know what we can do to stop these media blackouts, particularly social media. We, uh, Twitter and Facebook censored the laptop. They censored solutions on uh, the pandemic. They told us that there was a Russia collusion scandal that never existed. Uh, when you look at it and you've been in Congress a while, you have a lot of ideas how to fix things. How do we fix this social media media equation where institutions we used to trust now misinform us more than they inform us? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with the Section 230 issue, the liability protection that these big platforms have. you got to deal with that and reform that in a huge way. You're going to have to, I think, speed up antitrust action so that when there is antitrust action, remember the Trump administration brought antitrust actions against uh, Google and Microsoft. They, they had those in, in the works. So you want to get that to the highest court in the land in, a, in an expedited fashion. And you have to have more transparency so we know when, in fact, they are censoring conservatives and censoring information. All those things need to happen. And then, of course, what President Trump is doing, I think, makes so much sense. He's organizing and and investors are organizing this outside uh, social media platform to compete. Competition is great. That's what we want to compete with the uh, the the left leaning platforms that we currently have that go after uh, conservatives. So all those things need to take place. uh, If we're going to because that's the public square today and that's where the First Amendment debates actually happen. So we need all those reforms, and we'll be working on those if, in fact, we uh, win the majority. That's a big deal. Absolutely. Well, I know that a lot of Americans, I think, probably presume that Republicans will take back both the Senate and the House. But I want to talk about leading up to the midterms, the primaries. We are in a current zeitgeist where uh, the Republican base is not pleased with a lot of long-term 
Republicans in the House. And so we're seeing this America first element of the Republican Party move in. Will you be surprised to see if there is a shorter turnover for members of Congress going more in that America first direction? Well, there, there may be, you know, the look, I think the American people have had it. I, I really do. We, we, we saw it start to manifest itself in a big way in Virginia last fall where some, some moms got fired up appropriately. So some dads got involved. Next thing you know, Glenn Youngkin is, is governor of a blue state in Virginia. So I, I think the American people have had it with what they see from the left. I mean, understand this. Joe Biden inherited a stable and calm, relatively speaking, calm world. And he has turned everything into chaos. Never forget that picture of people in Afghanistan when they were trying to jump on the wheels of the plane as it was leaving. I mean, that's the situation Joe Biden created there. Look at the terrible situation in Ukraine. And then look at look at domestic policy. We got a border that's complete chaos. We have an inflation situation that's the highest in 40 years, complete chaos. We got a crime problem in every major urban area because of left-wing crazy policies. That is chaos in so many of our urban centers. And, and of course, we have an energy problem that has turned everything into complete chaos when you got five, six, seven dollar gas. That is what Joe Biden has given us. And, and look what he what he had handed to him by President Trump uh, 14 months ago. That's what alarming is what is alarming Americans so much that I think they're looking to make real change uh, in, in the Congress. Yeah, there's no I doubt think you're right. I think, that that uh, yeah. moment in history, that contrast is clearly there. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Thank you for spending time with us today, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll be right back with more amazing news right after the break. Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest has been one of the most sage and wise voices in the middle of this crazy pandemic we've gone through. He's the professor of epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health. And his name is Dr. Harvey Rich. Dr. Rich, great to have you back on the show. Pleasure to be with you. Um, over the last few days, we've begun to see some ticking up of COVID in Great Britain, which has often been a harbinger of what happens in the United States a few weeks later. Uh, China has locked down 50, 60 million of its citizens. What is going on? What's your read on the, the arc of the COVID cases right now in those countries? Uh, it's really hard to know. China says that it's Omicron. And I believe it. I think that very small percentage of China has uh, uh, immunity. There's very little herd immunity there. So I think that what they're experiencing is they're just sponging up the new Omicron cases where people are exposed to it. And that's their choice for how they've managed it by lockdowns 
and not by letting the, the healthy people get uh, natural immunity. England, and we're seeing it's actually slightly stronger in Netherlands, the same uptick, although they may be going down, their, their upticks may be starting to go down, we have to watch that. This is unexpected and hard to understand where that's coming from. We're not seeing the same thing like that at all in the United States. The United States continues to decline by uh, a very good and steady rate that it looks like it's going to be very, very low by another month or, or six weeks from now. And I'm expecting the, the summer to be a, a very good feel normal kind of time to the degree that our restrictions let us feel normal. Yeah, with temperatures rising, hopefully those cases will will fall. But Dr. Rush, correct me if I'm wrong. Epidemiologically speaking, uh, with viruses, as as you move into new variants, like we did with Omicron, and we saw this with Omicron, they they are more transmissible, but they are less lethal. So, if America follows in the trajectory of China and the UK right now, and we do have more cases surge, maybe in the fall. Do you expect that that nature of virility to hold true where, you know, maybe the case numbers will rise, but it, it won't be as lethal? That's my understanding that the most likely scenario is if we get a new wave, likely in the fall, if, if it happens, that it will occur because the existing population immunity will have waned enough to let it, that the vaccine immunity that we have now will have waned, and even natural immunity that we have now may wane a little bit by the fall. And if there's a new variant that's at least or more infective than the current Omicron or the, the stealth Omicron, the BA.2 variant, uh, is then that may pick up a bit and we may have a small wave or a bump or, or larger. But I agree with you that, that variants derived from Omicron are not likely to be more virulent than Omicron itself. They're likely to be very similar to Omicron. And so I'm not expecting anything that can't be managed with the armamentaria that we have now. And that includes the drugs that we've been saying for that were for two years that, that worked very well, uh, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and, and uh, monoclonal antibodies, citrovimab, and, and other things. Uh, Doctor, I want to ask you about that because in some circles, like Twitter, I know because I just got bumped off recently, uh, you can't mention those uh, drugs, even though they've been around for 50, 60 years. They have a tremendous uh, track uh, record of safety. Are doctors in the field now feeling more emboldened going to those regimens because they do work and they're getting over the political correctness and silliness that we saw for a good part of the pandemic? I think in some places, doctors are feeling a little freer, a little less restricted to be able to do that. The telemedicine groups have led the way in this, as have a certain uh, private practices like Drs. Freed and Tyson in Southern California, right. Dr. Proctor in, in Texas, and, and there are others, um, Dr. Littell in Florida, there, there, there are people all over. So we now know that there's more than 200,000 Americans who've been treated with these medications and essentially all have survived. I think they report in total fewer than two dozen deaths out of more than 200,000 Americans treated. What so better, you know, kind of record could you have for, for treating uh, an infection, even one that, that's flu-like? You still want to be able to treat it if, if somebody gets substantially ill. The people at higher risk, elderly with, you know, comor comorbidity conditions, chronic conditions, and so on, obesity, diabetes, those are people who may still need treatment even with Omicron, and you want to have these medications available to use, and, and they work very well for them. 
Dr. Rich, I want to ask you a question that I've heard. I've heard multiple different opinions about, but with regards to a, a second or a repeat positive test for COVID, I have heard that oftentimes if you test positive a second time for COVID, that it's often either a false positive or it could be something like the general flu. Is that true? It's not likely to be the flu. The tests are fairly specific that if they're positive, they're positive for, for particles, parts of, of COVID, if not COVID. What's uh, the time frame matters. If you test positive a second time within 30 to, to 45 days, say, it's possible you still have some remaining viral fragments that are what's tri triggering the test. If you test positive six months later, it's probably a new infection. And it's possible, it's not that likely, but it's possible. Yeah, nice and clear. That's easy to understand. We can't get those answers from the CDC or NIH when we ask, so it's great to have you on. We got about a minute and a half left, Dr. Rich. Uh, one of the things I noticed you didn't mention in the, in the treatment that we need in the future, you didn't mention a fourth booster. Pfizer seems really eager to get a fourth booster, or excuse me, fourth shot, second booster out there. Uh, what do you think about the need for more vaccinations at this point? I think the only need for vaccination still remains in high-risk people who have to evaluate their personal health status and what they fa face if they were to get infected versus what they're likely to endure if they get vaccinated. And that's a risk-benefit calculation they have to do with their doctor, their health provider, and decide for themselves. But it's essentially only in high-risk people of the kind that I mentioned before, comorbidities, obes obesity, diabetes, and so on. What are your thoughts on, oh, oh, we've only got 60 seconds left. I got to ask fast. Uh, Senate passing a bill to lift the mask mandates on airplanes heading over to the House. Do you think that this is helpful? Well, it's all theater. I, not, the, not the Senate bill, but the, the masking is essentially all theater. And uh, there's no proven studies that, that show that there's appreciable benefit from, from mask wearing in terms of source control. In other words, protecting other people from the person wearing the mask. If people want to wear a mask for themselves, that's their choice, and no one's going to fault them for their you know, anxiety about doing that. But saying that the masks prevent the spread of the infection, just the, there is no science for that, even in airports and airplane settings. And Dr. Rish, we appreciate the clarity of which you speak. And uh, you've been right about so much in this pandemic when our government's been wrong. We really appreciate that. We can't wait to get you back on real soon. Pleasure. Happy to be with you. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports. And again, for more of the news and interviews you've been hearing today from Just the News, Not Noise, go to Real America's Voice each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern or watch anytime at justthenews.com slash TV. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. 
At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.